Hey, this is Sasha Shao, and you're listening to Dear Seekers, a podcast where I travel to an intriguing woman's home and sit down to have an honest conversation around being a working progress. A question I'm being asked quite often is, how do you usually find these incredible women? Well, let me tell you. I usually just reach out to the women I admire. I co-email them, email them, and email them till they eventually say yes to me. Well, sometimes it ended up being a no, but who knows? You know, maybe down the road there could be possibility. I am persistent, but I'm also a strong believer in timing. You know, sometimes it might not be the right time right now, but a couple months or a couple years even down the road might be a possibility. And when it's not meant to be, it's not. But you know, sometimes I get introduced to them in a unique and organic way. For example, with today's guest, Rachel Hale, I actually met her in a subway. I know I was with my dear friend Alyssa Bertram, who I also interviewed on the second episode for Dear Seekers. We were just walking in the subway, and we bump into Rachel and her friend. Alisa introduced us, and we dove into a very pleasant conversation. At that moment, I decided I need to bring her on board to record an episode with me. Obviously, she didn't know at the time. If you don't know about Rachel, let me tell you about her. She's awesome, first of all. Rachel is a community manager, creative producer, and she's also the co-host of Beauty Mark, a mini web series produced by Shopify. Rachel is a woman with a strong point of view, which I love. She's raw and honest, which I adore, and she's very intuitive, which I need to learn from. I highly encourage you to stay till the end because the rapid fire and her recommendations are gold. And before we get into today's conversation, I hope you will take a minute to head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review or comment, because you know that will really help dear seekers be more discoverable. I'd like to read a love note left by a dear listener. She or he didn't really leave a name, but I really appreciate the kind words. Here it is: the consistency of the quality interviews, the space allowed by Sasha for the women she is interviewing to speak, is so enjoyable to listen to. I appreciate the relevance of topics and enjoy the Canadian perspective. Well, whoever left this note. Thank you. All right, let's get into today's conversation with Rachel Hale. The first question I wanted to ask you, which is going to sound really weird, okay? Can you write a letter to your dear five-year-old self? Five. She's funny, my five-year-old self. It's funny because it feels like such a different person because、mm. I can connect to her so quickly, but from myself now, it's like looking back at her. My parents were splitting up, and I remember being surrounded by love. But then there were moments of turmoil, watching my parents fight.、Mm-hmm. But having my siblings to sort of take care of me—I was the youngest of of three, so I was really lucky there. And I—I I was so young, I didn't understand what was going on.、Um, I would just give her a hug and be like, "You're so good. Like you're you're gonna get through this, and you're、yeah. strong, and you're fun, and just be you. You know? Yeah." I was pretty carefree. I was like active. I loved singing and laughing and、yeah. all the things I love now. <laughs> so does this room actually reflect 
your space when you were a kid growing up? Does it reflect what my space was like? Yeah. Hmm. That's a great question. It's so funny because I think every day I'm turning into my mom. I think a lot of women feel this way. I'm like more and more like my mom. I'm like, I want to paint my room green. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my whole house was like sage green growing <laughs> up. I'm like, I don't want to paint it sage green, but I'm like a, a shade of green. Yeah. So I'm kind of like noticing these things of like, oh yeah, okay, there she is creeping in, which, yeah. is, which is lovely. And my mom's like an, an incredible woman. So I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. But yeah, I think that my house growing up were always cozy and filled with love. I come from a very loving family. She comes from a very like affectionate and loving family. And like, I consider all my cousins on my mom's side, like siblings, almost we were raised uh, very closely, we'd always be with our grandparents. And so I think that's the running theme. If you go to any one of my family's home, it's super cozy. There's lots of little knickknacks that have a story and, and mean something. Mm. And they're all colorful, and just very like personally them. Like they're very much like true to their personality. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, even recently, I was like, I came home from shooting the show. Right. It's gone for eight months. And I was like, oh, I feel like my space doesn't fully reflect who I am. I want to make some changes and like adding more color and like cleansing a lot of things, but still having like the things that have a story mm-hmm. that mean a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were very close with your grandma. Yeah, I was very, I'm very close to everyone in my family on my mother's side. That's who we grew up seeing a lot. And we would go every holiday, we'd be together every like long weekend, we'd drive to see my uncle in Boston and his kids or wherever. And so we spent a lot of time together growing Mm -hmm. up, even though we're the only part of my family in Canada, Mm -hmm. they're all in the States. And so um, my grandmother and I were very, very close, but she was close to all of us. Like she, she had a special bond with all of her grandchildren. And she made us all feel like we were her favorite, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm totally grandma's favorite. That's cute that you think you're grandma's favorite but i know that i'm grandma's favorite (laughs) it was like this thing that we all never talked about but all felt you know she was just so magical that way she's making everybody feels like they're the most important person in the room yeah and that's not just with her family with anyone she met she was like a very special being she had a lot of capacity for people Mm. and so when you grow up with that kind of like matriarch in your family it's such an example of like what love can do and uh, what love brings into your life it's nice. Tell us about the story of the calendar that you just yeah. show us. So I have two pieces of art in my room that my mother gave to me recently, and I didn't even know they existed. And she said, this was your grandmother's and the calendars from 1995 this year. That like random arbitrary year that just felt sort of like, I don't know why this calendar was held for so long. And she she said, you know, your grandma wanted you to have this and I kept it for you. And I, when she passed away, she passed away when I was 15. So quite a while ago, she just held it for me. And she didn't give it to me until a couple of years ago. And when I took off the plastic and opened this calendar, it literally took my breath away. The images were so gorgeous and striking. And mm-hmm. I was born in January and specifically January in this calendar was like really powerful and impactful for me it's an image of like two dark-skinned people like one woman and it looks like a little boy riding a white horse with like a blue sky and a green field and trees and I was just like it's so striking Mm -hmm. and I just was like I felt so connected to her in that moment just being like wow she knew that I would love this yeah and have such a visceral reaction to this in 1995 I was 12 and she passed three years later so it's just so interesting that she was like thinking about that and yeah. like so intentional and so wise to pick something up. My grandmother's blonde with blue eyes, Wow, you know? So it's like, I guess maybe seeing that image or seeing this calendar and knowing that like, this is the way she can relate to me. Maybe it's so interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. 
And then, so your mom's side is actually the Italian exactly. side? Exactly. And yeah. your, your dad is the Jamaican exactly. part. Yes. So growing Best up, food best ever. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I should tell be. me. Jamaican patty, Jamaican, yes, like everything. jerk chicken. Yes. Oh, and my mom's, my mom's a chef, so she can make... Now talking about it, I'm already like... I know watering my mouth i know so my mom is a chef so my dad taught her how to make some of his favorite dishes from jamaica when they were together mm. and so she can make any cuisine she makes sushi she makes indian food she makes what? roti she makes a jerk wow. chicken everything yeah. so yeah I, we were very spoiled growing up like to the point where i didn't even with like food. my lunches would be like gourmet like lunches everybody wanted to trade lunches with me and i'd want like a basic sandwich and i'd be like <laughs> give me your bologna and like you take my like curry chicken with da 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 like my friends loved it because they'd be like yeah yes yeah, trade it up let's go it's almost like it loses value which is wild and i think obviously in our older age we start to realize like what we have in that you know Mm-hmm. Like now, I wouldn't trade my mom's food for anything. So, for the sound of it, food has been something totally playing a very important element growing up. Yeah. What was that? It's the hammock. Oh, I could take it down if it's gonna make some noise. Do you want me to? I love it's it. When for it now, so if you keep making noise, then okay, we'll do that. Cool. Um, yeah, food. I think it's so interesting because being biracial, color was never talked about in my house. It was never an issue. It was never something that was like brought up. But we always talked about food. It was always like, oh, this food is from this place or this food is from that place. So I learned about the world through that. And also growing up in Toronto, it's so multicultural. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the way we celebrate culture here is through food. Yeah. So like Polish festival, everyone goes to Polish festival and eats pierogies or like has meat or whatever they want. I love that that's kind of how Torontonians, I feel, celebrate and really come together around diversity is Mm. through food and really like honoring people's food. Growing up biracial is so interesting. It's such a blessing. And I feel like I was born into being a global citizen because automatically in my house, I'm talking about two different geographical places that have two different cultures and just like understanding what that means in my world. And I, I was allowed and given the opportunity, the space to sort of figure out what that meant to me. It wasn't like focused on in my house. So I said it as like a thing. I'm like, I'm this, but... I didn't really get it until I went to Mm. visit the places. I always felt so connected to Jamaica. But the first time I went there, I was like, almost like, oh, wow. Like, everybody's, like, asking me for money. And it was like, I went as a tourist. I didn't go with my dad. And so I was almost disappointed when I got there. I didn't feel connected to it. But when I went back with my dad, totally different story. I met my people. I met his his neighbors. I met the people who he grew up with. And it was such a different experience going to Jamaica with my father than going as a tourist. And Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, here, this is my place. Like, I see myself in this land. I see myself in this neighborhood. I see myself in this community this way. And same thing with Italy. Like, I grew up around my mom's side of the family much more. And so our whole family was all about food and cooking. And, like, there's multiple chefs in my mom's, like, sibling group. And there it was always, like, cooking together. And all the conversations were happening in the kitchen or in the pool or wherever the kids were. And um, we all went to Italy together and I felt so at home and at peace there. And it was just kind of surprising, I guess, because when you look at me, you don't see an Italian girl. But it was so awesome when we were in Sicily. There were two guys who are our guides for our family. 
And they were like, just really fun, like became a part of the family, joking around. And there was one time where I was like, we were like getting into a little argument and I started getting like really heated, but like in a fun way. And he's like, oh man, it's a Chiliana. Like, oh, look at your hands right now. Cause I was like really like passionate. So he was like, oh yeah, you're a Chiliana. Yeah, no, no second guessing that one. He's like, for sure, look at this attitude. I was like, okay. But it's funny, being in Sicily, mm-hmm. I realized how much it's like Caribbean culture. It mm-hmm. just felt so similar in a lot of ways. It was it was wild. What kind of things are colliding? There's lots of like love of food again, like people just sit and eat together. And it's like pride in the food that mm-hmm. they make in both places. The directness of each culture, like Caribbean people like do not hold their tongue. They're very much like, yeah, they tell you like it is like you cannot be sensitive. And Italian people are the same. You know, it's just like, they'll just tell you what it is and be like, I love you. But like, come on, you got to like, come on. They'll like make it charming, <laughs> right. but they'll just be so direct. Mm. So it's it was kind of nice to see that. All of this, I think, like exists within me. And being biracial is it can be like a teeter totter almost sometimes. So I like sometimes I lean in more on like my white side or like my black side. Like I felt like sometimes it came down to color in certain places where I'd be like, OK, I, I was like almost had like a weird sense of identity and not like you said, not knowing where I fit in or not feeling like I fit in anywhere because I'm like so much of both. And I'm the bridge almost between both worlds. So I can explain something to a group of like Caribbean people that might not get why we do this thing in this culture or like, you know, like. So I always felt like sort of as I got older that it was such a blessing to be that middle person who sort of understands a bit of both worlds and can like teeter totter and like explain the other world to the other person. You know Mm. what I mean? I think biracial people are really like blessed that way. And that's like almost a call to action because you've been in both worlds or if you have had both parents in your life and have both cultures in your life, it's almost like you're meant to share that with people and explain how like the differences are really something to be celebrated and are beautiful, but there's so many similarities at the same time too. Mm, wow, to bring that's such it all a beautiful together. way to look at it. Thank it's you. almost like the second you were born, you have a purpose already. Yeah, that you're meant to be a bridge between the two cultures. I, I definitely feel that to way. unlock yeah. some of the misunderstanding, exactly. some of the ignorance, some of the things that might be overlooked. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, that's how I take it, and I'm I'm like. I don't mean to make it like serious or anything, but I think it's just like we have that opportunity mm. if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. You know, it's always like how you see it, mm-hmm. how you look at it mm-hmm. instead of like, oh, I don't really look fit into this group or I'm not white enough or black enough. Exactly. I actually look at this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. When did you think you you did mention you growing older, you kind of have shaped this kind of mindset and way of thinking. Was there any like moment that yeah. actually prompted that way of thinking? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, because I hadn't thought about that. But I think for me, I grew up in High Park Junction area of Toronto, and we were like one of the only black families, my siblings and I. And so there was always that feeling of like left out, but also feeling like special because mm. it was like, oh, yeah, I'm the only one. And like, almost like leaning into the the stereotypes of like, I have to be really good at sports and I'm like really fast. And I like, almost like you represent like the repre- race. Yeah, yeah. I had to like represent the race. And like, I was never really into like hip hop like that, but I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I know all about hip hop. And then somebody <laughs> asked me something, I'm like, I know nothing about hip hop. I love like Enya and like, you know, like, the, I don't know. I like, like green day and, and all that stuff. So I grew up listening to everything, but it was always so funny. I also liked proving those stereotypes wrong. Like, yeah, I'm a blacker who loves Nirvana. And like, like, you know, there was that thing where I felt like I had to like almost be like, yes, we're allowed to listen to this too. always sort of representing mm. the race when I'm the only one in the space. 
But then when I got to high school, I was really craving more diversity in my immediate school and like area and community. And so I went to Oakwood, which was, um, it's like Oakwood and Vaughn, like St. Clair and Vaughn. It's like right in the center of like the city. And it was just so multicultural, like so a little bit of everything and like first generation kids. It was like a bit of everything. So it was great. I went there for two years and then I moved to the States to play basketball. I got a scholarship to play basketball at a prep school in Maryland. And so I moved to the States when I was 16 by myself and lived with like a host family out there just to follow my dream of like wanting to be the first girl in the NBA, a.k.a. then play in the WNBA because it started around that time. Um, no way. Yes. That was your dream? Yeah, it was my dream. Mm-hmm. So I left and finished my last two years of high school in Maryland to play mm-hmm. basketball competitively. And then I finished, I got a scholarship to play softball, random, and a whole nother sport at Howard University in Washington, D.C. And that's a predominantly black school. Mm-hmm. And it's just like has such a crazy legacy of black excellence and blackness and like black and proud so when i went there i was immediately like oh yes like this is it i just felt like i had been in my like white environments for so long being in canada and then i had to go the extreme of like going to howard Mm. to see like where do i fit in here and it was so interesting comparing like the two worlds and having them collide so howard was also an, an extreme as well you know i found it like i didn't fully fit in there either you know, and I, I would get into arguments all the time. I felt like I was like constantly sticking up for white people, you know? Yeah. And there's so much like the States has such a turmoil history of racism still going on today. And it's honestly getting worse because it needs to get better. And it's yeah. like it comes to light to heal. But it's it's rough. And so that taught me a lot about the black experience in America versus in Canada and how just how different it is, but mm-hmm. also some similarities as well. So I realized after Howard, the turning point for me was coming back to Toronto and feeling so displaced because I was like back in this weird, like somewhere I called home and would brag about being from and was so proud of being Canadian, like different, like, no, Toronto's not racist. It's so cool. Everybody lives together. And then coming back here and feeling so displaced and being like, okay, where do I fit in? And having to like relearn myself and like redefine who I was and wanted to be at that time. And so that was really the turning point for me where I was like, I get to pick and choose what makes sense for me and what I feel the most connected to Mm. at this time. So I'd say when I graduated from Howard and came home. And how old were you at that time? 21, 22, 21. Yeah. Wow. So that was a major turning point major. in terms of like self-realization. Yes. Major turning point for self-realization, awareness. And also, I think like my major stake for independence was going away for school at 16 and convincing my mother to let me go at 16. I look How at 16 year old her? now. I mean, she just knew she's like, I knew you would have hated me for life. I didn't let you go, you know, which is a really wise of her because I don't know. I think she just knew I had a good head on my shoulders mm-hmm. and I was focused I was super focused. You know, I brought her the opportunity and she knew nothing about that, Mm. you know. So just her trusting me was really important and she did. And I I commend her for that because my life is like forever changed, obviously, from going and being given that freedom at that time. And that responsibility really shaped me not only as a person, but as an adult that's like making decisions. I remind myself about that fearless 16-year-old when I'm fearful of making a decision now. Mm. You know, I go back to my 16-year-old or 18-year-old self because there were some big life things that happened during that time that I like lean. I'm like, whoa, 
like, who was that girl? Like, you know, you talk about my five-year-old. It's like, whatever my 16-year-old who's like, I'm going to move to this country by myself yeah. where I know nobody yeah. because I want to do this thing so badly. And just knowing in my gut that it was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because I think we're, we're older, we have some sort of like attachment that with yeah. other people's opinions or totally. with the sacrifice we have to make or with the results that I'm foreseen. So it's like we already have the fear build up before it happens. But when we were younger, the naivete play a big part, which turned out to be sometimes very helpful and beneficial totally. towards what we wanted to go next. It's so true. And I love the question, like, what would you say to your 15-year-old self? Or like, you know how people like write a letter to your yeah. 15-year-old? I would honestly say thank you. Honestly. Because I lean on her all the time. Yeah. I'm always like, what would she do? The naivety. Let's put it back in there. What would she do? Mm-hmm. She would just do it. Yeah. So I I lean on her all the time. So all I would say to her is thank you and I love you. Oh. Yeah. That's so sweet. So real. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Now you are playing basketball. You just do dream. Yeah. You wanted to <laughs> make it happen. And then you moved back. And then so yeah. that was the dream for sports still there or kind of a major shift from there as well. Yeah. So when I was at Howard, I played uh, softball. I walked onto the softball team and got a full scholarship to play. And I played for two years and then realized like, look, I'm not going pro. I love sports, but like I also love creativity and like making things and doing other things. And, and I wanted to explore what else I was good at because I was always known as like an athlete. Mm-hmm. My junior year, I stopped playing sports for my team, for like the school's team. And I just played in murals. I still played like for fun. But um, I started focusing on school and I was a television film production major in communication school. And so I made like a short film and it got accepted into like the Belizean like our film society or something. I don't even remember what it was. I made it with a friend of mine, Drew. We brought a poem to life and it was about a John who goes to see a prostitute and the prostitute has fallen in love with him. And he is like none the wiser kind of thing. Ooh. And so, so like, yeah, it was like this whole like dramatic thing. And Drew was like such, such a talented director. So it was really fun to bring that to life. Mm-hmm. And it was just like stuff like that that I was able to focus on more because I wasn't playing sports. Some people can do it, but I personally couldn't manage that, like really focusing on like creativity and schoolwork and hang out with my friends and sports and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. you know so because my identity had been so wrapped up in athletics for so long so I really took the time to explore what else I was into I got into like modeling and like all these random things I started like that explains why you were so comfortable in front of the camera (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing it for a long time in my 20s I modeled a lot like when I moved back I got an agent and was my friend like I went to visit him at his office and he was like, let me take a picture of you and just send it and like see what happens. And like two agencies wrote him back like while I was in the room. So it was so awesome. You know, it just kind of like happened. And then I started doing lots of commercials and and little shoots and stuff. It was really Really? fun. Yeah, it was just great extra money, like especially the commercials. It afforded me lots of time to figure out what else I wanted. I bartended, which was so fun. My 20s were full of like exploration. So you did mention like, when you were 16, you were always into like exploring, be a fearless woman. Mm-hmm. Now, do you still see that in yourself? Do you see that you still want to challenge yourself and push yourself out of your comfort zone and explore something that yeah. maybe you didn't expect before? Yeah, that's such a good question because I do feel like that very much so now, but it's been a resurgence. I wasn't like that. I, I was married before and with a marriage that's failing or a marriage that doesn't work out for whatever reason, it really took me outside of myself. How old were you? I w- it was like, 
oh my gosh, I was old enough to know better, but um, but madly like madly in love, just fell in love, and it was like yeah, very quick and and just beautiful. And um, there was a lot going on in both of our lives that we just weren't aware of and weren't really dealing with, and it was just bad timing. And you know, I'm so grateful for it because it taught me so much. And he's a lovely man, and like, uh, but it, in the time and the thick of it, it was really tough. We were both going through a lot and not able to really get out of what we were going through, and so. It was just really hard. I think like for me, I had made a point in my 20s to be single for a long time. So I wasn't used to being in a relationship. And then I met my ex-husband and it was just like, oh, like I was in love again. I hadn't been in love in so long that I was like, I forgot what it felt like. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is it. Oh my God, it's amazing. He's the one. He's the one. There's nobody else for me. Da, 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 da. Being in a relationship after being single for so long, I started over compromising with things that he was going through that really had nothing to do with me that he had to figure out Mm. instead of holding space for him in a powerful way i was holding space trying to heal him and trying to be like oh yeah i can fix all his problems i can fix all of this stuff i can i can do it for both of us Mm -hmm. and i just wore myself out i wore myself out and i wore him out too like it was just not good for either of us you know, and then by the time I realized what was happening, I had so much resentment for him and and myself and the way I was presenting, the way I was showing up in the world. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't there for myself and I wasn't paying attention to that until it was much too late. And so I didn't recognize myself. I'd gained 25 pounds. I wasn't active anymore. You know, I wasn't myself. Right. And so I had to reconnect with who, A, who I was and who I want now wanted to be. A big thing that helped me get back to myself, it's such such a weird thing that I was really surprised about. I took a bath almost every night with Epsom salt or like some sort of dead sea salt. Really? Yeah. For how long? Maybe like a year. Every night? Every night. Like as much as I could. Multiple times a week, I'd be taking a bath. And it was just, I wasn't very social, obviously, at this time. It was a lot of like alone time and it like inward like discussion and like, Lots of journaling and just sort of figuring out like how I got to this place and how I got so far removed from who I felt I was Mm -hmm. and how to reconnect. And I think the reason that the baths worked because bath salt is like cleansing. It cleanses your energy. It cleanses your aura. And so I was just shedding. Oh, the shedding. It's almost like a transformation for you. Yeah. I honestly feel like it's like the butterfly in the cocoon reference. Like it's... when, when they're in the chrysalid, it me of that. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're, when you're in the chrysalid, it's so uncomfortable. And like that time of like pain where you're like rat, you're like literally your body splitting apart and you're like taking a new form. But when you're ready to bust out of that cocoon, it's like this glorious, like look at these wings and they're so huge and they can take you places. They let you fly and they're colorful and they're, there's a pattern that's unique and it's all your own. And this happens multiple times in our life, in my life anyway. I can only speak from my own experience, but I'm glad it's happened to me multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm familiar with the transformation of like, shit, this sucks, but it's going to be so good. And I know it's for a higher purpose. And I swear, Sasha, it's so crazy before I met my ex-husband I was like coasting I was living in New York I was managing a band all these things were coming to me I was great but I was so bored Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what I said I'm like okay I'm ready for my next challenge I literally I was walking on my street in Brooklyn and I said it out loud just walking to the subway I was like okay I'm ready for my next challenge and boy whew Careful what you ask for, man, because like, holy, it was wild, but I needed it. I needed it. I needed to check myself and it brought me to a different level of connection. So it's almost like intuitively you actually knew you needed change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But obviously you didn't ask for this 
big <laughs> change. I did. I asked for a challenge. Well, I asked for a challenge specifically mm. because I know and I've worked with my healer long enough to know that when you're in times of like challenge and um, I guess distress or, or um, discomfort, that's when you have the most growth. Think about it like the seed mm. reference is the best reference, right? right? If you plant a seed in the dirt and you water it, that seed is now covered with mount- pounds of earth. And in order for it to grow, it has to bust out of its casing and then push itself up through the dirt and all this muck up to the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something intuitively is telling this thing which way to grow. And the roots are getting deeper because they're getting grounded. And then their sprout or whatever it is, the flower is growing up towards the surface to the sun because that's what it needs. But what you don't see when you see the flower, all the roots like spread out so far into the earth. Like that part is the first thing to grow, right? Mm. So that's the stuff that's done in the dark that nobody sees. Oh and my then, god! Yeah, stop and then- <laughs> it! This is so beautiful. This is wow. real. These are like nature is the best example. My healer has taught me this. this like is so beautiful. Nature is the I'm best example. Like this is oh. so beautiful. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you're feeling that because that means you need to hear it. Yeah, it's impacting you. That's wonderful. Wow, that's so beautiful. That's really great. With that same metaphor, this is why I do new moon and full moon rituals every month. And Mm. oh yeah, you tell us about that. Yeah, Yeah. so it's the same. It's the same sort of wiping my tears away. Oh, (laughs) you're so cute. Um, That was just so beautiful. It's so true though, and like honestly, that's why anytime I'm going through like a really hard time, my healer's like, go to nature, go to High Park. Mm. High Park's like a really special place for me, just because I grew up across the street. But like, also she's like go to high park and just observe the trees Mm. and think about the trees like they're just there they exist doing what they're doing and like the seasons change things come and go but they're unfazed they know that this is happening they know winter's gonna come they know spring's gonna come they trust yeah and it's like such a good reference of when you're going through things or when you want to pay attention to things of like observing nature and knowing that you're also nature and a part of that big ecosystem i think we kind of forget about it totally as humans we feel like we are superior out of like other animals and the nature that's why we do a lot of damaging Mm -hmm. to the earth as well and that's a whole lot different topic but i think that's what comes out of it it's like we intend to forget we are actually part of the system exactly yeah exactly and we're animals yeah we are instinctual animals we need to do we need to have sex we need to eat we need to that's the first thing you say (laughs) of course because it's animalistic you're just like this is what we have to do like this is a part of life what about eating (laughs) well yeah eating obviously but these things are like shunned a lot you know Mm -hmm. because of other things but like these are natural instincts that exist in everyone you know so I think just like owning that in a way. But mm-hmm. um, going back to like the new moon and everything is like light and dark. It's so interesting because, well, that's a whole nother topic. I'll, I'll stay away from that one right now. <laughs> so, okay. So the new moon. The yin and yang kind of thing. Yes. Mm. Yin and yang balance. There's like everything exists in the world in duality, in the universe in duality. Right. So whatever has a lightness has a darkness. Even mm. us as, as humans, we have a shadow to our personality mm. that we don't really want people to see or want to exist really as there as much. And the stuff we put out into the world is like, yeah, I'm happy. I'm perfect. Oh my God. I have flowers in my house. I'm like, you know, that's why I love when you guys came here. I was like, I'm still cleaning up. Like my house is not <laughs> always like this. Okay. Like it's cute right now. Cause there's people here, but like, yeah, there's like stuff everywhere, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's I'm like- not going to pretend that I didn't like clean up for you guys. Exactly. You know? But and I hope like, people to know that because sometimes totally. they see their secret photos are like, oh, it's so beautiful. Other people's home are gorgeous. Yes, Look oh at my, my house. Exactly. I want people to know, like, 
we all need to understand, and that's like a filtered life. Yes, you know, we exactly. want to create this joy and beauty for other people. Of course, but we have to also understand the dark side, the roots that are growing yes, underneath the exactly. dirt that are not being seen. Exactly, exactly. It's so important to like be honest about that, and like obviously, like you're gonna make your house nice if people are coming over and taking pictures. Yeah, you're not gonna like, like leave your. It socks doesn't anywhere. always <laughs> look like this, okay? Like, come on, let's be real. <laughs> Um, so the new moon and, and full moon rituals are really important to me because it's just a time every month, every two weeks actually to check in with yourself and like reground. And so the new moon is so beautiful because it's when there's no light, like you can't really see the moon and it's not, it's full shining self. And that is a time to make new manifestations and new promises and focus on what you want to bring into your life. Again, what is done in the dark. And that's mm-hmm. where all the real work happens when nobody's watching. Who are you and what type of person are you when nobody else is going to know what you're doing? What habits are you in at that point and when nobody's looking? So I love that because it's so intentional and it's so personal. Mm-hmm. And so I have a, a new moon ritual book that I write all the manifestations in. What is your sign again? I'm Aquarius. Oh, I'm double Aquarius and Taurus. So I'm Aquarius sun sign, Aquarius rising and, and yeah, and Taurus moon. Oh, I so, don't know what's my rising. Yeah, girl, you need to get the pattern. <laughs> oh, Hello? yeah, let's talk about it. I, I wanted to wait till the end, but like, let's yeah. get into it. Okay, so the pattern is an astrology app that is terrifyingly accurate, like eerily accurate. And I read it every morning now. Like, I'm actually obsessed. It's kind of bad. But I find it such a tool to help you understand, like, what you're feeling or what you may be feeling that is kind of coming up for you. So just like anything else, it's a tool that's meant to help you. Mm. And it resonates with me because I find it, again, so accurate, you know, because like there's no way that the sky is not affecting us and the stars and all the planets. So I always explain it like this. This is why I'm so into the moon and the moon rituals. So the moon, Mm -hmm. think about it, like our planet is made up of something like what, 70% water, the ocean, something like that. I always I'm really bad with numbers, but like our our planet is mainly covered in oceans and water Mm -hmm. and the moon controls the tides. Right. So when the moon is a certain position, the tides will come in and and swell and and um, the adverse to that is the tides go out. Right. And that is all controlled by the moon. That's a scientific fact. We know that. So if the moon can control all of that water and humans are made up of whatever percent of water that we are mainly water, what makes people think that the moon is not doing anything to us? We are made up of so much water. Yeah. And the moon can pull oceans. What? Like we're just little people. Like that is going to do something to us. Yes, it is. It's wild. And so to pay attention to the moon is helping yourself, giving you clues of what might be going on with you that the moon is pulling on. Mm. What is the moon trying to tell you? And it happens twice a month. Every two weeks, it's new moon and then full moon. Mm. And so new moon is, again, it's dark. And so that's when you make the promises to yourself. You manifest what you want to mm-hmm. bring into your life. And the full moon is all about releasing. So what's in How the light? How do you release? So I take a loose leaf paper and then I write all the things that I want to release. And so depending on what the energy is for that sun sign that the full moon is in mm-hmm. will be different things that you should be releasing and focusing on releasing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just know right away, like intuitively, this thing comes up. I'm like, you need to write this down, girl. I'm like, release. And um, once you're done, you kind of like meditate on it and just burn it Oh, and either put it into the air or like flush it. Yeah. And it's just like you write it down, set your intention. You're very intentionally writing down what you want to release mm-hmm. and then you let it go. Wow. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. It's really powerful. And it's just a nice way to check in with yourself 
and say, hey, like, what what have I noticed from last month? Mm -hmm. Did I try and release this last month? Did I notice a difference in my behavior, the people who are around me? I wrote to release toxic people and like bring in only loving and like beneficial. Yeah. (laughs) Beneficial. Yeah. I I manifested you, Sash. See? We met in the subway. I know. I love it. It was so talk about how we met. That was so funny. So funny. I know. You were coming from a panel discussion. Yeah. I was coming from um, the Without Pretend event with Alisa. Yeah. And then at there we saw Danielle Bosco yes. also a dear oh, seeker and then you say you guys just gonna be working together soon yes. for Lululemon yes exactly all these like signal or the universe is trying to tell you something exactly yeah it's like you can't exactly. say it's all because human doing there's so yeah. many things out of our control so true I am 100% aligned with that it's yeah. so true okay so now let's get to Beauty Mark oh my gosh oh my god we haven't even talked about Beauty Mark yet I yes. know okay, I, I love it. it I love it it's so good let's get to it okay how did it all start wow okay Beauty Mark is such a maybe for the listeners don't know about it you okay yes give them a little bit blur okay we are here in Amman Jordan in the Middle East and we are surrounded by this ancient glory so Beauty Mark is a show that I co-hosted with a friend of mine, Jessica Sanchez. She's also awesome. She's incredible. So you have funny. to do this with her too. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, so Beauty Mark is a show about entrepreneurialism focusing on females in the beauty space. And so we went around the world interviewing women that are entrepreneurs that have a different beauty offering. So whether it's skincare or, or hair or makeup. Just we interviewed a bunch of unique, really interesting women mm-hmm. about how they got into beauty and how they are managing being in the space and what beauty means to them. Beauty, But for me, I, as a black person, I'm always aware of traveling to new places. And, you know, my thought is always like, how do they feel about people of color or how do they feel about black people? Mm. So far, everybody's just been fascinated with my hair. <laughs> right. And so, so interesting that somebody like me, who's such a tomboy and like so natural and not really like looked at makeup a lot, just sort of brought the idea to me. She was like, hey, I conceptualized this show and Shopify is interested in producing it mm-hmm. and they want me to have a co-host. So it really came to me already baked up. And wow. I was like, I was so busy. I was producing at a creative agency at the time. And I was so, so busy. But Jess is like a good friend of mine. I was like, okay, this is her baby. I, like, I want to support her, whatever she wants, whatever she needs. Like, sure, sounds fun. But I really didn't get the concept or what I was signing up for. Yeah. And so we had to audition. We did like a mock episode here in Toronto. And we had so much fun. We just spent like half a day or a day shooting something. And afterwards, she was like, wouldn't this be so good? I'm like, oh my gosh, this was so fun. Like, yeah. this would be cool. Like, let's just do it. Just two friends hanging out. Exactly. And talking to other creative women. Honestly. Yeah. Like once you see the show, like I hope that's the vibe you get because it's so genuinely yeah. just me and my friend I love it. hanging out. Especially when you guys are doing makeup in the yeah. bathroom. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. And Jess yeah. is like a makeup aficionado. She like is obsessed with it. She's like tried everything. She's so passionate. And so we were the perfect team to do this because I was learning as I went and she was already like taking in so much more and, and really adding to it. And it was so nice because once we started um, preparing to film, after we shot the first sort of episode, I got more of a sense of what we were doing. Right. <laughs> I had to shoot one to be like, oh, this is what we're this doing. This is what I'm time for. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. I like this. And so I started offering my creative consulting. Jess and I were more like, and the producers were incredible. They killed it. They were mm-hmm. just such 
such an incredible team. The direction. Yeah, I love it. I feel so honored to be a part of the team. And we all just really collaborated and worked together to make it what it is. I think you can feel that. Like you can feel like a bunch of people coming together for like a specific message mm. that just hasn't been represented yet. Right. And Jess and I being women of color and like bigger women in the space hosting a show about beauty, that was like such a huge thing for us to be like the ones representing the conversation mm-hmm. because that would have never happened five years ago because we just weren't valued in that space as like, bigger women, women of color talking about beauty. It's like, why, what do you know? Or how can you even have the audacity, you know? Right, right. There was not enough knowledge or mm -hmm. attention around it. And not enough women at that point had paved enough way for what's coming up now. Yeah, and we're in such a, we're in the age of the feminine. We're now like, a lot of things are marketed towards women and and women are really taking their power back. And sometimes it still bugs me a little bit. Sometimes companies, you can tell. Totally. they're using this message it is time to monetize it absolutely to commercializing a way that it's not genuine totally and i think you can tell when it's genuine and i think mm-hmm. it started out more genuine obviously now everything's like everyone picks up on it and yeah. it's like you know it's trending just like diversity and inclusion is oh. like such a hot topic hashtag ha- dni <laughs> like come on dude anyway yeah. with that said i think it is what it is mm-hmm. and we need to take the opportunities that are being presented in this time because if it's a trend, then it will not last. Right. And we need to take this opportunity to get in the spaces where we actually can make the changes that we need to see. And I think that's what Beauty Mark is. Mm -hmm. We are taking this opportunity in this moment in time when these things are trending. We're taking advantage of that. And I think that is really smart, not just of Shopify, but of Jess and I to be like, yep, we're here. And we're going to use this time and this space to do and say as much as we can about our experience and let you know that it's valid. Yeah. Yeah. And then just to educate people who yep. are not part of the community, right? Yeah. Like one of the dear seekers I interviewed, she also did a film about hair as well. Mm. Um, and then she shared her experience with hair. And then you just like a lot of things. I personally have that ignorance. I never knew about it and I never knew it existed. But when there's something like a beauty mark show, it's actually telling the stories and then to share your personal experience as a co-host, you really bring that knowledge onto the, the audiences. So I think that's really important. Like I didn't know about the baby hair that you guys talk about. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, tiny things like you guys experience, the community has yeah. been, you know, experienced all these years. Like uh, people don't understand, right? Totally. So that now that knowledge has been carried on to other community. Exactly. And I think that's the beauty. Like obviously the um, that episode in Mississippi is a really powerful one because it's racially charged and, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a lot still going on in the community around that. And you kind of see a disparity there. But the beauty about that episode is it's like you see all the beauty too and mm. like the the community and the traditions that have been passed down. Like women used to like hide seeds in their cornrows. They used to braid seeds into their kids' cornrows when they were, knew they were going to be taken on slave ships. So they oh. could take the seeds and plant them on the other side so they would have food. You know, it's just hair a lot. And even for me, it's like, it's just hair. But I saw like such a different side of what hair can afford you mm-hmm. through doing this show. And I think it was so cathartic and so powerful in that in each episode of the show, something blew our mind. Mm. Something was like, wow, like these women have dedicated their life to this craft and it happens to be in beauty, but it's so much deeper. It's so much 
deeper than skin. It's so much deeper than just like superficial appearance. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's literally food on the table. It is, it is a uh, comfort for their kids. It's a place in the world, yeah. you know, and it, it's so powerful. And somebody like me who was like, I don't know, I'm not really into like makeup now have such a new appreciation for it. And it's just fun. And mm-hmm. it's something that can really, uh, boost your mood or make you feel better or just make you feel a part of something, make you feel a part of a story that's beautiful and so deep. And we spoke to such powerful women and such women that were living their lives so intentionally and sometimes so niche. Like think about the beauty historian in Gabriella, like beauty historian, like who thinks about stuff you know? I know everything that existed. And she's so passionate Mm. and just so impactful and like, her being exactly who she was put on this earth to be. You can just tell. Like, mm. that's one thing all the women had in common. Like, they were all just doing what they were put on this earth to do. What do you think you are put on this earth to do? That's such a good question. I- I'm figuring it out each day and each position. I've had such a weird, weirdo, weirdo, like, weirdy <laughs> career. <laughs> I always call them, like, I'm like, my career's so weirdy. Like, I don't know. There's no better word for it because yeah. it's such a strange thing. I've been all over the place and I noticed that, like, every time I have a new career, every time I'm called to do something differently my, by my intuition, it makes sense because this thing that I did 10 years ago in my 20s when I was like, whatever, fucking off, like not really doing anything actually turns out to be really impactful and like help me for this next thing that I'm doing. I'm like, oh, cool. Good thing I randomly started teaching yoga in my 20s because now I'm working at Lululemon and that wellness like brain and the wellness like language I have and Mm -hmm. that like dedication I had during that time really actually helps me in what I'm doing now for the community. Mm -hmm. And so that's great. I don't know why I was called to all of a sudden teach yoga and but I did it because I it was important to me and now it all makes sense, you know? And so for me, I think like I love people and I love showing people their truth and like their gifts. And I see it before a lot of other people see it. I feel like my gift is to see people for like who they are and their best selves mm-hmm. and like and their potential and speak it to them. I'm like, no, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. You just don't get it yet. But like, this is who you are. Go do that. Go be that person. Go do this. Like you got it. Right. You know, I think it's like, that's my impact. I don't know how that looks in the world, but right. I think it takes a lot of different forms, which is why I've done yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah, because I think sometimes that question is a little bit tricky because mm-hmm. we intend to put it into a category. It's like, what's your calling? You got to be yes. feeding the capitalism, right? Yeah. So but not necessarily has to be that. For sure. And I think that's the part that, especially over the past like two years, I'd say, I'm really passionate about not defining things. I'm really passionate about not putting things in boxes, Mm -hmm. including myself. Mm -hmm. And so five-year plans, I'm like, I know that I'm focused and that I want my life to look like a certain thing. But I also know that the universe has something in store for me that I could never even imagine. So now my prayer and like the thing that I ask of the universe is to like let myself get out of my own way. And just be open to what you have in store for me, mm. knowing that the universe is so abundant. If I have a scarce mindset somewhere, focusing on shifting that to be like, but that's not true. I'll always have money. It's like, okay, if I have a scarce mind, scarcity mindset around money, I'm worried about money. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent or like, I don't know if I leave my job, like, will I have money? Like, there's so much money in the universe. The universe has got my back. The universe is telling me to leave my job for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? Right. It's like trusting that there is abundance and there's enough to go around for everybody, mm. you know? Because I think historically, there is only one woman at the, the table, right? Exactly. Or one queen to the empire. Or one person of color. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like people are like fighting for it, for mm-hmm. that one seat. 
But I think now it, there is so much space. There is so much room for everyone.、Mm-hmm. We just have to to see it. We just have to notice and and own it. It's I sometimes it's hard to see it too. It's like, oh my god, there's so、totally. many podcasts out there.、Oh、you know, like the, every day there's a thousands merging in the market. And then, how am I going to compete with people who have millions of downloads? Do I want that? Like, I don't know. Like, so、mm-hmm. you do get trapped into that kind of the thinking because because we are part of the system sometimes, right? Totally. But I think just have to shift that. Totally, and it's a, this is like these are the habits. It's I'm not speaking about this from a place of like figuring it out. I'm speaking about this from a place of. Thinking about this in a way that I'm trying to affect my habitual behavior every day.、Mm. So it's like I have to remind myself: Am I? Oh wait, I'm in a scarcity mindset. And once you like wake up and pay attention to it, like what's the root of it? You know, it's like all within us. Like everybody, it's so cliche, but it's true. Like you can go back and break down the pinpoint when that shift happened、mm-hmm. and how. Every day I have to remind myself: The universe is abundant. The universe is abundant. The universe is abundant.、Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's so important. Good.、Mm. I think that's wrap up our、okay. main conversation. Cool. And now it's the rapid fire part. Oh, okay. I don't prepare. I like to just be in the moment.、So、yeah. This is perfect. Me too. <laughs>、um, so, if you could choose between visiting the past or traveling to the future, which one would you do? Hmm. I would visit the past. Which era? Which time would you go? I would go to the beginning of time. Oh wow! <laughs> Do you、yeah. think there was a beginning of the time? There's something.、Mm. It's hard to say, but I would love to go to like, what was that、mm. before humans or the first human? I'd love to observe that. Was it evolution? Was it something else? Right. I would love to just see that, or the dinosaurs. That would be cool to see. Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> also, the kid in me is like. Dinosaurs, obviously. <laughs> That's true. Who don't want to see dinosaurs?、Yeah. Um, so we did something similar in the beginning, but now it's a love letter to your future self. Yes, could be five years down the road. Could be when you're ninety. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. I don't know. I just know that I'm like I feel so reconnected to myself. And I want to write from this point and being like, I just know you're gonna be good, and I'm just so proud of you, and I love you, and thank you <laughs> for sticking it up. <laughs> What's the lesson that took you the longest to learn, or you could be? Still oh,、learning? I'm still learning it. Yeah, I think like you know, I'm so I've always been a confident person. I've always been so like much who I am, but I still struggle with like self worth at times, and I think like. I think we need to normalize that conversation. I am still like I'm very confident. I love who I am. I love who I'm becoming. I like know like I'm independent. Like I love all that, but I still struggle with aspects of myself, and and it ebbs and flows. And I think like that's something that I'm just learning to be like the ebbs and flows are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now it's a package.、Mm-hmm. Please use three or less words to describe the following. Could be like a definition to you. Could be a feeling coming to you.、Okay. Uh, love. Boundless. Style. Individual. Beauty. Glorious. Beauty mark. Glorious. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Memories.、Mm. Memories. Connection. Okay, so now we're out of the package.、Mm-hmm. Last question before the recommendation part is: What are you currently seeking? 
or searching or longing or pursuing or practicing? I, I'm currently seeking and always seeking growth and uh, depth in myself mm. because yeah. I think that affords you everything else when you know yourself and are following that intuition. Mm. I pick a word for every year and my word for 2019. You do that? Yeah. I pick a word. Wow. When did you start doing that? Two years ago. And what's the word for this year? Intuition. Yeah. And what was the word last year? Last year was evolution. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this year has been, and intuitively I pick it every year, but this year was connecting and really, really honoring my intuition and listening to that voice with fierce commitment. Wow. And I think that's the strength in in each of us, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes interesting that we are born with so much inside of us, we, but we're always looking for something else exactly. outside of us, in- externally. That's why I love watching kids. I love being with my nieces and nephews because they just don't question themselves. They mm. just do. They believe in themselves. Yeah, they're just like, yo, yeah, I got this. Yeah. Like my, oh my gosh, my nephew, he's like one of my favorite people, obviously. We were together at Christmas in Jamaica and he was painting and he just did like one or two strokes. He'd be like, Weichi, aren't I such a good artist? And I'm like, oh, you're such a good artist. He's like, I know. And then he'd like threw the page and did like three more strokes. He'd be like, Weichi, look at this. So good, right? I'm like, oh, so good. I was like, yo, thank you. That was a good lesson, Cars. Thanks. Yeah. That was cool. You now know? we grow up and we're like, artist? I'm not good at this. I'm not no. good enough. I check people all the time and I'm like, just say thank you. Mm. I get if I give you a compliment, I'll be like, oh well, yeah, I just whatever this thing, and I don't know, and I threw it together, and whatever, is it okay? And I'm like, no, just say thank you. Mm. Just yeah. take it, take yeah. the compliment. Yeah, take it. Just be like, just own thank it. you. Yeah, that was nice. What you just acknowledged. Yeah, thank you. In mm. Chinese culture, we don't take compliments well. People compliment you. Oh no, yeah. of course not. Canada too. <laughs> it's it's this almost false humility. Yeah, and it's really frustrating. Why do you think? For many cultures and many people having trouble taking compliments because that's it's not a great thing to mm-hmm. receive why why don't we just take it there's so many answers to this i think there's been a thing that's happened over time that's like politeness it almost seems rude to be like oh thank you and just like accept a compliment i think there's something in that there's also something in like not making big deals out of things and not being like Oh yeah. Oh, my place is always spotless like this. Yeah. You just came over and oh, I, I forgot you were coming. Like, <laughs> no, like I cleaned my house. Thank you for complimenting it and saying it's colorful and cozy. I'm like, thank you. Cause I put a lot of work into this right. and it means a lot to me to have a Zen space, but I did right. put a lot of work <laughs> into com- making it ready for you. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. That kind of reminds me. From. I think also because the media has been trying to romanticize this effortless perfect it's yeah per- the perfect thing of or like effortless chic or yes. something like as soon as you put effort into it it's not cool anymore yeah but like man we're all trying we're yeah. all putting effort into things like who are we fooling come on oh that's so funny oh. and i'm guilty of it yeah i like i'm no, better yeah, obviously sure. i'm like much better now but i'm like i'm guilty of it too before we wrap it up any recommendations it could be like a local jams could be films you love to watch books you like to recommend Something yes. you want to pass along to the listeners. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many things that I, okay. There's a few books. 
Women Who Run With The Wolves. Oh, yeah. It's I like... Haven't wa- I haven't read it yet. I need to. It's one of those books that when it comes to you, it's meant to come to you at that time because you need it. And it, you don't read it linearly. The way I always suggest that people read Women Who Run With The Wolves is look at the table of contents and whatever jumps out to you topic-wise, read that chapter. I haven't read the whole book, full disclosure, but I've read a lot of it because the different themes of the chapters speak to me at different times. Mm. And so any given day, I'll open it and be like, oh, um, wow, this one's jumping out to me, like reconnecting to your intuition or like the too good mother or like things like that. So you go and read there's it's beautiful because it's a folklore, like ancient folklore. She tells the story and then she analyzes it and goes in what it means. Cycle. she psychoanalyzes the story essentially. Mm -hmm. And you think like these fables that you hear growing up, some of them will probably be familiar to you. You don't realize how much power is in the words of these stories that we grew up hearing that you can then look at her breaking it down and realizing what it could mean. You're like, holy, like, this relates to me as a woman. This relates to me as a partner. This relates to me as a mother. This re- It's so fascinating. Hmm. And it's not just for women. Don't let the title throw you off, my men out there listening. We have 2% listeners are Woo! men. <laughs> Get it, dudes. Get it, men. <laughs> Share with your friends. Men need to be having these conversations. Yeah, I'm an avid, sure. avid believer in, in everybody sharing everything. For so sure. this, my cousin read this book. I gave it to him and he was like blown away. He's like, this should be required reading for high school students, all high school students. I, I agree. Another book that was really impactful for me that I give people when they turn 30 is A Field Guide to Getting Lost by Rebecca Solnit. It's just such a beautiful reminder that life can take so many different turns and you never know where it is going to lead and you never know what you're going through right now will help you or afford you later on in life. And to just, again, trust your process and trust the universe and just keep like listening to that voice and wherever it's taking you. And her writing is like almost, it's so strange because she's such a beautiful writer, like really stunning, like really Mm. unique writer. And it's almost like she writes and run on sentences. So it's almost kind of annoying to me when I'm reading it, but I can't stop reading it because the way that she describes things is so stunning. It really does give you a visceral reaction. You can really picture what she's talking about. Mm. And so I just love, I adore her writing and her writing style, her writing style, even though it's like annoying to me, is so beautiful that I can't put the book down. Mm. And it's just one of those really impactful reads that when you're done, you're like, wow, like I just read something beautiful. Right, right. Yeah. And then, yeah. So that's books? Those are books. What about films or local gyms? Yeah. So local gyms. Let me think. What have I been doing lately? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm obsessed with Bolo. Callie, this woman named Callie, she's incredible. She used to be like a a producer at like Much or E-Talk or something like that. And she, such a badass. And she really loved boxing. Like she was like amateur boxer. And she just was like, I want to make this my thing. And she started a boxing gym. Okay. And she's such a passionate teacher. She gets such amazing teachers in there. And it's just such a kick-ass workout. And she's so welcoming and also kicks your ass at the same time. Like she's the perfect blend between like welcoming and like you just want to be her friend mm. to then her like being like, yeah, but you're going to give me 20 more punches. Okay, <laughs> really fast. And you're going to love it. It's going to be great. She like plays the best music. She has the best attitude, super mm. positive. I just adore her. I adore her so much. And I worked with her with Lululemon on like a, a relational mindfulness series that we put on. And I just got to know her in such like a deep level. And she's just like through and through like such a gem such a special offering that we have mm. in the city so really take advantage of her 
energy and her space that she's offering because she's so dedicated and so passionate about what she's doing and that's mm-hmm. like the best energy to be around yeah, right yeah so bolo callie callie fit on instagram okay yeah she's great so bolo definitely check that that out and then um i love underground dance oh, so yeah. all the dance classes there i love um the afrobeats one it says beginner but don't let them fool you it's so hard and i'm not good with choreography but it's so much fun and you're gonna get a good sweat um, and then the wine and grind on Sundays, which is so much fun as well. And then Beyonce, beginner Beyonce. So mm. good. I'm not a dancer, but like, I just love it. It's such right. a good way to sweat and you're actually moving the whole hour that you're there and it's mm. good cardio. So I love that one. You have to recommend some restaurants. Yeah. Since food. Oh my gosh. Important. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Food. Let me think. Where? Oh, okay. Yes. So Pero, me and my partner go to Pero all the time. I put him on, even though he's kind of taken it over from me. But Pero, <laughs> Pero is an Ethiopian restaurant on Bloor, just uh, west of Christie. Okay. So a lot of people know Banjara, which is another one that's incredible Indian. Yeah. Um, and it's Banjara and Pero are like basically on the same block, just right by Christie Pitts. Yeah. But Pero, the owner and the staff there are so lovely. You go in there and we get, um, we just get injera, which is the uh, Ethiopian bread. Yeah. And you oh, eat love- with your hands. I just had it a couple of days ago. Oh, it's so, so- Good. good the vibe in there is so chill there's never too many people it's just nice and chill they're so lovely they let you stay as long as you want just like great hosts and the food is so so yummy and my mm. gluten-free people you can get gluten-free injara Ooh. they have a vegan restaurant downstairs so they just have a like great offering and it's like a little spot that's never too like busy right. and not too many people know about it now it's gonna be busy well no i don't know <laughs> hopefully hopefully for them not hopefully for me but their family i love them so much and that's like a nice little like mm-hmm. hole in the wall spot and then i live like in bloordale so all the restaurants around here are incredible sugo there's soul shaker there's burdock there's oh, like soul shaker the korean fusion restaurant it's so <gasps> good it's like street so food good. it's so good and they're opening a new spot called shakers which is probably going to be just the same and they have mm. a patio so i'm excited about that yeah rum corner is a go-to obviously like incredible food great vibes paris paris is wonderful oh, yeah that's one of my favorites too yeah and then where else? I really love. So in Kensington Market, there's a place called Rasta Pasta. And for me, it's like so special because it's an Italian Jamaican restaurant. So I'm always like, this is my what? place. Yeah, yeah. So they have like one size Jamaican and one size That's Italian. So I know. Rasta Pasta, little pastafarians just like me. It's for me. So did they make any food that was like kind of put it together or the, the food is separate because I, I know hungry have you been to hungry Thai yeah yeah so years ago yeah but yeah. they're like separate right it's so not hungry and food yeah mixed with Thai food they're separate so yeah. what about this place this place is separate but I think there are some things that cross over I always get the same thing when I go which is so funny I like creatures of habit I guess but I always get the Jamaican side I oh. always get oxtail that's like my go-to but yeah that's so funny I've never tried the Italian <laughs> side <laughs> Oops. We'll see. Maybe there's like jerk pasta or something like that. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, pasta? rasta pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? And then podcasts. Yes. So, some. okay. So actually I'm like, I used to be hardcore into podcasts. I started listening to them like long, long before they were like mainstream. Yeah. Not a trendsetter or anything, but I'm just letting <laughs> you know. Um, but I used to, li- I used to do road trips a lot and I would mm. download, um, things like stuff you should know or stuff you miss in history class or like stuff mom never told you, like all like the factual things. And I had like learned about like Cleopatra and like, you know, Queen Zenobia and like all of yeah. these really cool things. Right. 
And then I started listening to more like The Moth and like storytelling and like 99% Invisible is one of oh, my that's favorites. Good one. It's yeah. really good. There's a really amazing one about the Bowery Hotel. Oh. It's incredible. 99% Invisible, the Bowery Hotel. It's really, really good. There's another one called Love and Radio mm. that is really beautiful and it's like heartbreaking at times, but like so incredible. There's one called The Living Room. Which is like, oh my God, you have to listen to this story. I'm not even going to tell you anything. Just trust me and listen to the story. It's like heartbreakingly gorgeous. Oh, wow. But it's all about human connection. And and it's all about like real human stories that you would never think about. And it's just like a moment in somebody's life in a specific pocket of the world mm-hmm. that you wouldn't really be privy to if it wasn't for this podcast. And so right. it's really beautiful that way to kind of like let yourself escape into that person's world for a second. And then my go-to, like, literally, like, the gospel is Oprah, man. Super Soul Sunday. I'm so basic, but it's real. It's so real. She... It's yeah. so helpful. She has been it's my mentor. So yes. Obviously not. <laughs> I yeah. wish it's like yeah. like face to face mentor. But yeah, she I've learned so much from her. Everybody that's Oprah's gift to the world. She's brought so much knowledge and like healing through what she's doing. Yeah. She's she's an angel on earth, I feel. Totally. Yeah. Totally. She's so powerful. And she just listens. Her thing is listening to her intuition at all times and look at what it's afforded her. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah, she's so powerful. I love it. Oprah, if you're listening. Oprah, <laughs> hit us up, girl. No, honestly, all I need to say to Oprah is thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for listening. That's it! Woo! That was fun! Oh, that was so much fun. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for staying till the end, dear friends. We are available now on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitchers, Google Play, or pretty much any podcast app you're currently into. And again, if you haven't done so, I would really appreciate it if you can take a minute and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review or comment. That would truly mean a lot to us. Also, if you're as nosy and curious as I am, head to our website ideasecrets.com to take a closer look at Rachel's living space in Blorkdale. Let me tell you, it's a dreamland. All right, so see you in a month. Until then, keep seeking.